The Startup to Scale Up Game Plan is brought to you by Alpina Search, Europe's premier talent search firm, dedicated to helping technology startups and scale-ups recruit high-impact executives. Now over to your host, Gary Riemann. It's a great pleasure today to welcome Joshua Wall, co-founder and chief product officer at Series B-funded Super Awesome. Now, Super Awesome's technology powers the kids' digital media ecosystem. Their products are used by hundreds of kids' content companies and brands to provide kids-safe digital functionality, authentication, and advertising. And Joshua is already a serial entrepreneur, having previously co-founded Targets, a mobile, real-time, location-based community marketplace for services. So Joshua, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. A bit of background on uh, on Joshua then. So Joshua, where, where were you born and uh, where did you go to college? So I was born in the Netherlands. Uh, I went to college in Switzerland though. So I spent what, my first 13 years in the Netherlands then moved over to Geneva in Switzerland. Did my high school there, um, started university there, um, dropped out because um, I well didn't like it that much. Then went over to London and finished computer science at King's College in London. Okay, so a true, a true European, even in your uh, early days. Yes. And, and how did you get into technology leadership? So I had... I've started a few ventures in the past. So I was always very interested in development. Uh, I think the f so I started developing a bunch of my own sites simply when I was uh, when I was younger, what at the age of 10, 11 or so, I started getting into development. Um, and then at the age of 15, I think, I, for the first time, was developing a website for a friend of my dad's. <laughs> and... Um, finished the website and I got some money for it and that kind of sparked a lot of thoughts because <laughs> huh. I thought I could reproduce that same uh, <laughs> that same method with other people uh -huh. so I started my first company which was a web web development agency and um, just building apps and sites for well at the time actually only sites because apps weren't a thing yet um, for for various companies uh, around the place uh, that was in in Geneva at the time um, and yeah, I grew that company to about, well, basically my idea was lowest efforts, highest reward at the time. So I started out building them myself. Then I got too many cu uh, customers. So I started hiring a few of my friends and then hired the friends of the friends. And before you knew it, we were about 30 of us, uh, all students, all in high school still. <laughs> and we didn't, we didn't have an office, but we were building these sites, which at the time were even like some of the private banks in Geneva, to give you an idea. <laughs> um, so it became a very interesting uh, venture over a few years. And since then, kind of stuck with that. I, uh, I just like taking on big problems and then um, motivating a team around me to try and solve them in a way. So yeah, I started targets after that, started super awesome after that. Um, with the same vibe. Uh, a lot of the people that work with me today, but the way I actually employed for the first time when I was 16. Wow. So you started really young and you've, uh, and you've shown a lot of loyalty to those uh, earlier 
early hires. Okay. So and the other way around. Yeah, <laughs> they obviously uh, they obviously love working for you, Josh. <laughs> so so how did you get started with Super Awesome? How did you get to know the uh, the other founders? So it's actually there's an interesting. I'll probably go into a slightly longer story there, I guess, because it's an interesting one. Um, I was still at Targets at the time, and so Targets was a real time community marketplace, really mobile based, location based. Um, and so it basically matched people based on their needs. So if you were looking for a job in a particular area, you could get matched up with someone that was providing that job or that had that job available. And if both of you were in the same place at the same time, you'd get a push notification saying, hey, you probably want to talk to the guy behind you in the queue because like, they seem to be the perfect person that's looking for a job that you're offering. Right? The idea was fairly simple. Um, so it was this, this marketplace. and. I was trying out a marketplace that was competitive, which was uh, job-based as well. And so I wanted to give it a, it was called White Truffle, I think at the time. Um, and I tried it out. So I put up my profile and I wanted to figure out, okay, well, how does this competitor actually try and find exactly the right type of, um, of job that I would be matched to? Uh, and I was matched to Dylan, who was thinking about starting a new company. Uh, the first time we met, um, I actually and told him, it's like, okay, it's very cool. Uh, I'm not really interested in this idea of a company you have, but I'm testing out why Truffle, the system, to see if there's an actual match, to see, to just judge the value of their system. <laughs> and he said, it's like, okay, no worries, but let me tell you about my idea anyways. <laughs> and that's how everything got started. So um, he, st he talked to me about a previous venture that he had done in the kids space, um, how he had experienced some of the pain, how he had started analyzing some of the uh, core market dynamics of uh, specifically marketing in the kids space still going to TV, like 95%, if not more, of kids' marketing spend was still going to TV even five years ago, um, where the rest of the industry was already spending more than 40% on digital. So there were a few marketing, a few market forces as well as clear opportunity and pain points that he had experienced, and he was assembling a team to try and get that solved. And he was missing the technical piece. And so I got very interested. Targets, uh, I'm afraid, failed. Uh, and failed mostly because we didn't get the next round of funding. So we ran out of funds. And um, at that time, I was having these conversations. And so I uh, decided that, you know what? Super awesome actually is onto something. We should be trying this thing. Uh, and then we started the company. So an algorithm brought you together with your co-founder. Exactly, which is not something that is normally recommended and not something that normally works, but it really did in this case. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. That's, uh, that's an interesting insight. Okay, um, so when we last spoke, you mentioned the importance of resilience, and that's going to be one of the themes of, of this conversation. Um, those incredibly low lows, as well as the amazing highs you get when you're... Um, running and scaling a business so um when have you experienced those highs and lows and how have you bounced back from from the low points um it's a hard question to answer um but the so the the lows come not at non-predictable times which is partially why they are so low uh, the 
I guess the biggest parts that have really helped me with it, one is my wife. <laughs> uh, been with her, what, for about 11 years at this point. Um, is really the only person I can really talk to a bunch of things because the, the problem with being an entrepreneur, at least the way that I build businesses, is that I end up recruiting a lot of my friends. And so my friends are the ones that work with me. <laughs> uh, or you can put it the other way around. They're the ones that work with me are my friends. Um, <laughs> but um, that means that the people you talk to uh, are fairly restrained. It's not like you can go and talk to all your friends about how um, something is not working. So really, my wife helped me a lot uh, in, in, from that perspective. Um, there is something about the will to win that has to be very strong. You know, the, the, the fact of not giving up. Um, that I think has helped me over the line quite a lot as well. So uh, I'm a fairly competitive person. Uh, and um, realizing that if it wouldn't work, I'm the only one to blame. Um, that was actually a, a good kick up the ass in a way where um, it comes down to how I react to things. And then making sure that I can can push that forward. Um, the last part, I guess, is just it is that resilience part, which is just being okay with the fact that you're not going to be only positive, or that you're not going to feel positive every single day, and that you learn that there is a cycle to this. That actually, it is okay for once every what two years or so to just have a proper few months where you know what maybe you don't see the end goal maybe you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel um but you trust that it will come back probably one of the biggest learnings on my on my end as well is that all of these things i mean the grass is always greener on the other end like we always say right so it's always easy to think about well what could i be doing really now that would would provide me with more joy right now well but it's the easy way out at that point. And trusting that it will come back has always been good to me, really. Hmm. So uh, I've always kind of got, gotten back to it. It's just waiting another week and suddenly you turn a corner and you realize, you know what? What I thought was so bad last week, it actually isn't so bad. Hmm. Um, was that realization something that you figured out yourself, Josh? Or something that perhaps a mentor helped you to understand? So... I think that probably goes to one of the cores as to why I why Super Awesome is is, is successful, um, at least up to this point, um, is that we're five founders, and a few of us had built have built businesses before. So um, yes, there were some mentors, part of which actually were within the company. So in like in our business, so Dylan, for example, has started a few companies before. Uh, even went through an exit with a few companies before. I started a few companies before. Leah started a few companies before. So, like, we all have different types of information, different types of experiences. And you don't all go through the cycle at the same time. So <laughs> when I'm down, the others are not. When the others are, I'm not. <laughs> and so you kind of get each other through those various cycles. And actually, that's where I, I learned most. It's... It is actually the 
it's interesting enough is when you were down getting kicked hard on the fact that it's actually your own fault <laughs> almost was actually the best possible lesson anyone could have given me which is that hey i'm founder of this company if it's not going like i want it to go then change it <laughs> it's as simple as that right so um, well, it, it, I mean, it's, it's as simple as that when you talk about it, but it's, it's, it's weirdly enough not something that you quickly come to. Um, it's something that you really have to realize. Uh, I did have some help externally as well. I had a bunch of mentors. A big, big piece of advice I definitely would give is to find those mentors and actually work on finding those mentors outside of the company that can help you scale. But they were not the ones that got me through the lows. It were my co-founders that got me through the lows on top of my life, as I said. So the co-founders have helped with the lows, um, but mentors have helped you in other ways. So, um, and you were a few moments ago recommending going out proactively looking for, for great mentors. How have you approached that? How have you tracked down, engaged with the people that have uh, mentored you so effectively? So, um, different ways. Uh, I went through various events, uh, meetups. Um, I actually actively looked out for them. So a few years back, um, there are a few recruitment firms that are actually interesting, uh, at least in London, that are very active on the meetup scene as well. So they help creating events. They, um, they insert themselves very much in the meetup scene. And they are, the good ones are really interested to get to know you and to get to know how you want to evolve. So I was very lucky and found one that was was very um, interested in how I was thinking about the future and everything else. And actually, they helped me find someone who could um, who could help me think first of all how I would plan my future myself. And there, uh, that same person then ended up as a mentor as I was going through the creation of Super Awesome, as the company grew, um, and as we had a bunch of different challenges. So the, the meetup scene would be one. Um, the other is really just asking people. I am so surprised at how many people put themselves a barrier without knowing it's an actual barrier. How many people do not simply approach um, someone at a conference because they think this person doesn't want to talk to them or doesn't have time for them. Um, there have been a bunch of people that I thought were very good because I listened to a talk for them or I had read something that they had written and I just pinged them on LinkedIn. Or if I uh, saw them at a conference, I would walk over to them at the end of the, the talk and say, hey, would you, be, would you let me buy you a coffee tomorrow morning if you're still here? Or if you're gone tomorrow morning, can I maybe buy you a drink at the end of the conference? The amount of people that say yes is way higher than what most people think. So that is that's been a very good venue for me to to try and, and find the right people, the right mentors. You obviously are a natural at these networking events. Josh, how have you evolved as a leader, perhaps even as a human being? Is your companies have scaled? Yeah, so I guess being a founder really does mean something else to any normal role, I'd say. Um, 
being a founder means you just do what needs to get done. And you, you really worry about the company first. And then you figure out how you can find your own way within that, really. Um, I mean, I went from physically moving boxes because we were moving offices to setting high-level strategy across the board for uh, our worldwide um, offices and so on. Uh, I went from what hands-on coding, the first parts that we started, to helping sales with some of the bigger deals that we had, to at some point I was the legal expert on how you deal with technology and kids. Um, and it, it's just about figuring out what is the best possible use of your time based on the team that you have recruited? Um, does the team still meet me the person I was six months ago? Or did I hire someone who actually can do what I did six months ago? And I should be doing something else which the team really needs right now. And it's about being flexible and then being okay with that and being, um, so I guess it's, it's almost like you, you have to be learning first. It's like you have to be looking at your team and figuring out, okay, these are the pieces of the puzzle I have. This is the thing that I'm missing. Um, if, if you really can't do it, you're going to have to hire for it. But if, if there's a way that you can do it, the best possible way is to just go and learn and, and be that part of the puzzle that you currently don't have. And that's, that's a very strong tool as a founder. Not too many people do it. And I guess that is probably one of the, the magic elements like where you have a, a few a good set of founders where when you have enough of those people, it means that you are able to move a lot faster than if you'd had to hire for, for all of that on day one. Very interesting. Okay. Um, and uh, at the moment, are you in one of these situations where you're role is evolving in the company or are you in a, in a more kind of stable um, role at this juncture? Interesting enough, I'm going through another change right now. So um, I'm chief product officer, but I also have responsibility for the technology at the moment, right? So I'm a developer at my core. I started out as a developer. I'm chief product officer over here. Um, and we just hired our uh, new head of engineering. So I used to be very close to the team. I used to know everyone in the team. That is no longer the case. We are now too big for me to really know everyone on a personal level. Um, and so this head of engineering is coming in and will be taking ownership of everything in relation to the people organization of our engineering function, right? So they will be responsible for all of our engineers, uh, their career development, their growth and everything else. Um, and we also have someone who is responsible for all of our technology decisions, basically our, our chief architect. Um, and that means that I am now fully on the product side because really the technology side will be taken care of very quickly. Uh, and that will mean some of the things I used to do, I really shouldn't be doing for two reasons. One is that I'd be duplicating efforts and I wouldn't be following my own role I was talk just talking about before, which is I should be performing those roles of the pieces of the puzzle that aren't filled. Uh, and the other thing is I need to be able to step back and actually let the other people in the company grow to really have enough to work on themselves. Because if I keep doing these things, then that means they won't be able to, and they won't feel that they're actually growing in the company. So I have to find another part uh, and really focus on everything that um, that is not being done at the moment. 
So I'm very much going through the same thing right now. And I don't expect that to finish, to be honest. I would be surprised if in a year from now, I'd still be thinking about these things in the same way. That's that's a real challenge for founders and entrepreneurs, isn't it? Stepping back and letting others grow um, into the role that you were previously responsible for. If you were mentoring a technology company founder, uh, a software or SaaS um, founder, who's looking to make that transition from startup to scale up, what are the key pieces of advice you would give to, to him or to her? Um, so um, I'd say there are two things that um, caught me a little bit by surprise that probably don't have to catch you by surprise if someone tells you about it in advance. Um, one is staff turnover. So it used to never be a problem. It's actually something that didn't exist. Like I used to be, I was very proud that for about for almost four years, we didn't have a single person leave the company other than to start their own business. And actually some of those even came back. Um, but suddenly when you're a scale up, there is a risk if, well, that the company starts to look a little bit more like the next level of companies in the ways that the, and there's a little bit more process. There is a little bit more um, hierarchy that will start to, to kick in. We have multiple offices around the world that mean um, that the strategy and the vision might not be communicated in the exact same way everywhere, or at least doesn't sink in in the exact same way. And so people start to think about their own futures a little bit more. You might also be at, well, in our case, for example, we were at the four-year mark approximately, which for some people, once they get to three, four years, they start to think about their next career move, right? They start to actually evaluate their lives and think about what should, what should I be doing next? And if you're not very clear with everyone and are able to show them why they should be investing the next four years in the company, then you they, you start to you start to get into the possibility of losing some of those key employees. And in our case, where we never used to have very strong career development plans, because I mean, to be honest, at startup stage, no one really thinks about those those things. It's just you're part of this company and you are growing very fast and you will figure out, like it will be beneficial anyways. You don't have to know exactly where you're going, right? The way Eric Schmidt always said this, like if you're, um, I, I forgot the exact wording, but if you're offered a place on a rocket ship, don't ask which seat. <laughs> um, so like that is never a question, but when you get to this stage, it is a little bit of a question. Huh? And, um, so that, that is something that I would definitely think about. And then the effects of that are like, do you still have those key developers that are the only ones they know that know about a specific part of, the, of your product? Um, because if at this stage you just raised quite a bit of money, if you are still in that stage, that means that you are now at risk of potentially losing this person, uh, which will hurt the business fairly strongly and so you're kind of 
at this point where you were a startup, you're now a scale up, which means there's more involved. You should be professionalizing some of this, but you really haven't caught up to that yet because the, well, it's not like suddenly from one day to the next, you are more professional. I mean, you get the money, the expectations are higher, but you haven't really caught up to it yet. So it's about readjusting that expectation. Um, and then I'd say that every, but other than that, everything is the same, but it is a lot faster. Suddenly, all of the things that you have thought about for a while, you're supposed to be executing because you have the funds and theoretically, nothing is holding you back. Uh, and that leads to, at least in my situation, to a, a part where you really can't keep up that much anymore. And you have to fundamentally re rethink the way you work because everything is going a lot faster. Um, if like in our case, that is coupled with a worldwide expansion. For me, it suddenly meant that half of my time is spent traveling. So how do you get to do the same role you have whilst you're on a plane? Like all of those things change. Um, and so the role is the same, but everything goes a lot faster. So that is something I would rethink the way that you're scheduling your task, rethink the way that you're um, um, splitting your days up and so on. That makes sense. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, now you've been an entrepreneur since you're in your mid-teens. Um, so this may be a challenging question for you to, to answer, but if you were not an entrepreneur, what other profession would you love to try? Yeah, so that's an interesting one indeed. Um, there's a good chance I'd be a broker, interestingly enough. <laughs> uh, which is maybe a counterintuitive answer, but the the reason that that might be something or that's something that would appeal to me is that I like to understand complex issues. Uh, in the case of a broker, it's understanding the world right? and understanding the fundamental changes in the economy or the fundamental changes in the world that lead to a change in economy and then break those complex issues down into components and figure out the impact of potential movements of this entire puzzle. I love that type of big problems and then being able to say, you know what, if there's something that happens over here in China, I think the effect will be that this piece of the puzzle is going to move upwards or downwards. I, I like that type of, of thinking. So. Um, I'd probably be somewhere in that space, a broker or an, or an investor. Perhaps that's an idea for your next startup. You can combine the two. You can uh, have some awesome technology that uh, uh, helps brokers to, to be more efficient. I'm sure there's a, a, going to be a huge demand for that kind of technology. Um, let's talk about the next three years for you and the roadmap for scaling super awesome globally. Okay. So, um, well, at its core, really what we're trying to do is we're trying to build a better internet for kids. And, um, for us, that is about solving the, um, return on investment problem for the digital brands. In essence, the way we look at it is that 
Um, at the moment, all of the big brands in the kids industry are thinking about their digital products mostly as a marketing exercise to ship physical products. The reason for that is they haven't been able to show a clear correlation between a return on any of the investments that they have made specifically on digital products. So they're not looking at, at digital as products on their own. They're looking at them as marketing exercises. Um, what we're trying to do as a company is remove the barriers to entry, so make it cheaper for brands to build apps and sites for kids, and then at the same time, allow them to have a clear route to monetization in a safe and appropriate way, of course, but there has to be a way to be able to, to, to get a return on the investment that these brands are making, because if there's no return on the investment, then no one will invest in the space in the first place, which leads to a worse experience for everybody, because there's an underdeveloped space. Kids are going to be online whether we built the stuff or not. So we have two options. Either we build a better internet for kids and kids are going to be there, or we don't build a better internet for kids and all of the kids are going to be on apps and sites that are not made for them. So for us, our, our kind of three to five year vision there is to lower those barriers to entry, allow brands to be to, um, to both reach the audience and be able to monetize the audience in a safe way and an effective way and to make it as easy for these brands to think about um, developing and monetizing an app for kids as it would be to develop and monetize it, uh, an app anywhere else, really. Okay, sounds like you've got some exciting times ahead. How, how big are you now in terms of number of people and, and, and number of offices globally? So we're a little over 100 people. We're headquartered in London. We have offices in New York, in LA, in Singapore, Bangkok, so a bit all over the world, really. The world is your oyster. Excellent. Let me uh, thank you so much for joining me and sharing so many valuable startup and scale up uh, insights. I'm sure our audience is gonna uh, love listening to your thoughts. And I'd like to wish you and the whole team at Super Awesome a, a wonderful end to 2017 and, uh, and an awesome 2018. Thank you very much. This episode of the Startup to Scale Up Game Plan was brought to you by Alpina Search. Head over to www.alpinasearch.com for advice on scaling your technology startup and recruiting high-impact senior talent. 